Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church, North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Sunday. All right, let's dive in. Go with me to Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. You should be familiar with this passage of Scripture. If you've been trekking with us, it's been the only Scriptures that we have read from together over the last month. Let's read it one last time. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and here comes the I will promises. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. We're going to rest on that today. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians for the next few moments and for the last installment of this series, we're going to go into a message that I've entitled, The Life You've Been Waiting For. The Life That You Have Been Waiting For. Let me just lead you in prayer one last time. Father, your word is anointed and it will accomplish what you have set it out to do. Now, Father, soften our hearts so that we would be receptive to not just your word, but also to what your Holy Spirit is guiding us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. Let's talk about the life You've been waiting for uh, just last week, Apple released another iPhone, the iPhone 15. Well, raise your hand if you're an iPhone person in the room. Where are all my iPhone people at? Awesome, my people. There ain't going to be a follow-up question, okay, to that. Either you are or you are not, okay? And if you are not, I do not want your blurry photo. But anyway, going on. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But listen, the, the release of the iPhone 15 actually had some Apple aficionados, like, like enthusiasts, fans of Apple. It kind of left them feeling a little disappointed, if I'm being honest with you. Let me take you back to when the iPhone first released in the dark ages of the early 2000s. It's wild, right? I mean, it's wild that it's still so new, but if you say early 2000s, they're like, God, how old are you? But anyway, you know, back when the iPhone first came out, I would say that when they brought their phone into this world, they did so with a very strong why. They, they sold us on why we needed the phone. They told us, you can now store thousands of songs on your phone, which is crazy because they had an iPod and they, de- they developed a product that killed off their own previous product. Then they, they went on to say, you can take some of the most amazing pictures on your iPhone and they killed the disposable camera, like right then and there. How many of you guys remember the disposable cameras? Listen, young people in the room, let me tell you about disposable cameras. There was a point in time you would get a camera, snap a picture, and then you'd have to click to click, 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 click. And then this is going to shock you, young people. You wouldn't see the picture until you developed the film. So you'd have to go find a place, drop it off, come back in a week and hope that it was a good picture. I mean, if someone had their eyes closed, there was no going back. There was no filters. That's how it used to be. That's, we've come so far, haven't we? We've matured. Anyway, uh, they let us know that you can take amazing pictures with this device. They've told us you can edit a movie 
on your phone if you want to. And then they rolled out games as if that was enough. They rolled out games. Do you guys remember the early iPhones had that, that car driving game and you would hold your phone and you would just go like this and you would turn the car. Like on your phone. Like no, con- ro- no remote controller, your phone. They, they sold us with a compelling story. They gave us a compelling why. They told us this is the device that you didn't know that you need and you need it. And then the, by the time the 15 rolled around, my friend told me I was so disappointed. I was watching the keynotes. And instead of them telling me why I needed to have it, they told me that it has a faster chip. Like the chip is faster. And he's like, I don't care about those kind of chips. I like chips, but not th- those kind of chips is like whatever, whatever. And then it goes on to say, and, and the phone is more sturdy. Okay. And, and the phone is water resistant. Okay, but tell me why I need this phone. And he looked at me with like this dread because he's a total Apple enthusiast. He's like, Apple lost their why. Like they, they sold me on a phone and on, on the why I needed it. And, and now they're selling me on specs. Nobody cares about specs. Tell me the why. And why do I say all of that this morning? Because I'm concerned that the church, like the iPhone, has lost its why. My, my concern is that the church has lost its compelling story that we subscribe to some alternative narrative of the church that, that God never envisioned for us. And so today, I want to bring us back to our why. And I want to bring us back to our compelling narrative. And I want to bring us back to the story that we are supposed to fit in. So before I do that, let me one more time review this verse that we've been preaching through in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. The four I wills, the four I wills were promises that God made to Israel. He said, I'm going to bring you out. I am going to free you. I am going to redeem you and then he says I'm going to make you my own people and I'm going to be your God now we've seen those promises not just in Exodus and in for Israel but all throughout the Bible which informs us that these are promises for all of humanity not just for Israel and so we've taken those four promises put some language on it that applies to the church and we arrive at the very heartbeat of God which is this number one the heartbeat of God is for the lost to be saved for people who are far from him and who do not know him to know him that's the first thing that he desires with humanity number two is for the saved to be pastored because after he brings you out there's some stuff that he's got to work through in you how many know you can get a girl out of the hood but you got to spend some time getting the hood out of the girl you know what i mean and the same way you can come out of a life of sin but now we got to get the residual the the, the the residual sin out of you and so you need a pastor to do that. Then ultimately, you need a pastor to train you. You have to be equipped. Why? So that number four, so that you can be mobilized for the train to be mobilized. This is God's heartbeat for humanity. And we're going to unpack what it means for the equipped to be mobilized or what we call in this house for us to go and to make a difference. God wants us to go and make a difference. Say amen if you're tracking with me so far. So let me reframe this narrative now. Let me, let me reframe this narrative of the church because I want to start off by um, reframing your expectations of Lighthouse Church. And it's very appropriate because now we're in the building and some of you are coming back. So let's one more time reframe the expectations of Lighthouse Church. And not that I am the authority of it, but let me also reframe the expectations of the church. I'm talking about the capital C church, all churches, because I'm concerned that there are many churches that have lost their why. So for many of you here today, maybe you subscribe to the idea that church is the place that you go to so that you can do all of the things so that you can get to heaven. 
Why do I go to church? So I can do the things so that I can get to heaven. Church is simply a conduit, and if I go to church, I'm going to learn how to be good, and if I'm good, and if I do the right things, then I get to go to heaven. That's half the story. And, and how do we get to this place where we are only subscribing to half of the story that God has for us? Well, number one, you probably grew up in a church that emphasized heaven and what you needed to do in order to get to heaven. Probably talked a lot about hell, too, as well. But you went to a church that just emphasized heaven and hell, and, and, and they taught that you need to do the things that give you access. But once you've done the things and once you've got access, you can hit that baby into cruise control, and we'll get there when we get there. Now, there's a second way that we arrive at this place where church is only for us to go to until we get to heaven is that for whatever reason, you've come into an awareness of hell and you just don't want to go there. It's like hell is real and I am not going there. So again, I'm going to go to church so that I can go and do the things so that I can make sure that I don't go to hell. Now, here's a problem with that Lighthouse Church. It is an incomplete picture of God's plans for humanity first, but it is also an incomplete picture of God's plans for the church. It is an incomplete picture of God's plans for humanity. It doesn't tell the whole story, and it is an incomplete picture for the church. And it's an erroneous gospel. It's not the gospel. It's not good news. So here's the half story, and, and, and maybe you're here with this story, and that's okay, but we're going to show you the full story in just a minute. So the half story is simply this. The half story emphasizes that we were born sinners, the fall, and now the focus is on getting ourselves and our loved ones to heaven. That, that, that is, it is a very me-focused message where I have got to get to heaven. I've got to do the things that get me to heaven. And then I've got to make sure my loved ones are doing it as well. The problem with that is Christianity becomes just another faith system and not a worldview. The problem with that is Christianity is more focused on you and what you do and less about what Jesus has done for you. And that's not the gospel. And it becomes another faith system, and it is not a, a, a comprehensive worldview. In addition to that, you're unable to influence cultures of the world with that narrative. Because you can find that narrative everywhere. You can, you can find that narrative in several other world religions. And again, as I said just a minute ago, it is only half the story. So, so what is the full story, Pastor Josh? Let me show you the full story. The full story tells us that all of humanity was made in the image of God. All of humanity, the ones you don't like. The ones that don't vote like you, the ones that don't share your values, the ones that you don't want to have lunch with. All of humanity is made in the image of God, and it was made for a perfect environment. And in that perfect environment, a perfect relationship with God, that through that perfect relationship with God, we would execute God's will here on this earth. But... Satan tempted humanity, and through the fall of Adam and Eve, it separated us from our loving God. So, in the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus to die as us. He didn't just die for us. He died as us because we're the ones deserving of death. We're the ones deserving of the punishment for our sin. We're the ones deserving of guilt and shame. But Jesus dies as us, but then he rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, here's the good news. He redeemed us, and now we have the privilege of joining God in the renewal of all things here on earth. That's the full story. It is an encompassing 
worldview because it says you who subscribe to other world religions you're made in the image of God you who do not worship the God that we worship you're made in the image of God it doesn't cut people off who don't agree with our value system or our religion or or what we believe to be the scriptures but it says they were all made in the image of God and it is our job to tell them that but it's curious when instead of telling them that we're fighting with them I said this last week. I'll say it one more time, and then I got to let it rest. But as Pastor Rich Velotis says, it's a curious evangelism strategy for you to fight with the people that God has called you to reach. And some of us are doing that. And, and so this is an encompassing worldview that all of humanity was made in the image of Christ. They've been separated by him, and he's trying to reconcile them back to himself. And when you have this full narrative, it empowers us to influence cultures of the world. Do you know that God designed you to influence cultures, Lighthouse Church? Do you know that God designed you to come and help him? To come, not, not that he needs your help. Let me rephrase that. To come and join him in the renewal of all things. He invites you in to this journey. The problem is if you simply spend your time only, only uh, living out half of the story, then basically you're just waiting to get off of this planet and go to heaven. <laughs> That's where some of you are right now. Just like, any day now, he's going to come. It's getting kind of crazy out there. Any day now, and then we are out of here. But when you live the full story, you understand that we are made in God's image, and our purpose is to join God in the renewal of all things. And I don't know about you, but I want to be involved in the things that God is saying, come be involved with these things. I want to be involved in those things where you're saying, hey, why don't you come and join me in this? You, you, you can sit and wait, or you can come and join me in renewing all all things. Let me show you this narrative throughout the Bible. Let me first take you all the way back to Egypt and Exodus when, when God first started uh, c- calling them and, and talking to them and bringing them out of slavery. Israel was not looking forward to heaven. In your Bible, you will read that Israel, they weren't looking forward to heaven. I want you to look at the text. This is what God says. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Eternity was not in the mind of Christ. He was focused on the present. Can you all say the present? They they weren't looking forward to the afterlife. They were looking forward to the present, and God was looking forward to the present. He says, I'm going to take you as my own. And I am going to be your God. God was wanting to take this people group who had spent the last 400 years in slavery and he wanted to give them a brand new identity. See, for 400 years they had been called slaves and God steps in and says, no, you're my sons. And some of you know what that feels like to come into church and have been called one thing and labeled something. And that's what you lived your life according to the labels that people placed on you. But how many of you remember the day that you encountered a loving God and you realized you are not that label. You are not what they say about you. You are who he says you are and you are a son and daughter of the most high God. That's a beautiful day when you learn that. And so God was calling them out of slavery. But listen, it wasn't his plan to get them out of Egypt and into heaven. He wanted to get them out of Egypt and into their own land. Why? So that in their own land, they begin to worship God. And, and, and right there in that tiny Middle Eastern piece of real estate, this group of slaves. Can I just rest there for a second? Guys, he chose slaves. He, he didn't call a powerful nation. He didn't call a nation of prominence. On the opposite, he called slaves. He said, I'm going to give you your own land. And then in your own land, I'm going to make you 
my people, and I will be your God. And in this little piece of land in the Middle East, we're going to change the world. And here we are in 2023 still preaching about what he did through that people group in that tiny piece of land. That's God's big, beautiful plan. And, and this is what it was for Egypt. He, for, for Israel, when he brought them out of Egypt, he needed to get them to their own land so they could begin influencing the world around them. So notice Israel wasn't looking forward to eternity. They were looking forward to the present. And he would be their God. And, and, and they would be his people. Now let me talk about Jesus for a second. So we know that Israel wasn't looking forward to heaven. And what was Jesus doing? If we fast forward to the life of Jesus, he did not talk about heaven as much as he talked about the kingdom of heaven. And they're two different things. He was not talking about heaven as much as he was talking about the kingdom of God. Did he talk about heaven? Absolutely. Where did he spend most of his time? Talking about the kingdom. And when he talked about the kingdom, you need to understand that the kingdom was to be evidence in the life of his followers. And, and let me read this verse to you in Luke chapter 17. Once, when Jesus was being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Here it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And if you grew up in a church like I did where we only read the King James Version of the Bible, come on, somebody. It says the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. What, what was Jesus saying? What he was saying is when you become my people and I become your God, people are going to look at you and they're going to see my kingdom. They will see people that are in the world, but not of this world. And he's saying, I want people not to be so focused on the future and focused on eternity, but I need people who are focused on the present and they are pulling down the values of the kingdom of God here on this earth. And though they are in the world, they look nothing like the world. That's why in our generosity liturgy, we just said the way of the world is to be consumed with yourself, but the way of Jesus is to be concerned with other people. And we are going to follow the pattern of Jesus we're going to follow the way of Jesus and we're not going to be so immersed in this world that we take on the identity of this world that's not the way of Jesus that's not the way of Jesus we are not going to be influenced by culture we are going to influence culture you tracking with me, Lighthouse Church? I know this is heavy. I know we're diving into theology, but, but I want you to understand heaven is a destination but you need to know that becoming like Jesus is the goal. Becoming like Jesus, living his values, bringing down his kingdom here to earth, that's the goal. Because if it was just simply heaven, you can do the things that you need to do and hit it in cruise control and not show any love for your fellow men. You can do the things that you need to do and put it in cruise control and not affect your environment. And if you do that, and if you subscribe to that theology, then I will say you are only living half of the story. And you are not experiencing everything that God has for you. And the problem with living half the story, hear me good, is you'll never be fulfilled living half the story. Religion doesn't satisfy you. Legalism doesn't satisfy you. Following the rules doesn't satisfy you. Come on, you don't need for me to tell you that. Y'all like being rule breakers. It's like in our DNA. <laughs> we do it even when we come to church. 
I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with this tension. I'm bad at wrestling tensions. So let me just say it. We break rules in the church. We like had to set out these ropes because we're like, let's get people to sit in the front. We are in church. We like to break rules so much. We're like, ain't nobody gonna tell me where to sit. I will sit wherever. So don't tell, don't, don't you know what I'm saying? It's like, like it's real in the. I told you I'm terrible at navigating tensions. I love you. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up, okay? But we, we, we you know, this is where we're at. And, and so, so I believe that there is a, a, a greater story that we are being invited into, and it is a story where you will better find your identity. And it's a story where you will better find your purpose. So you need to understand something. We are influencing culture. How are we able to influence culture? Listen to me. We have a covenant with our king. Oh, don't, don't, don't get quiet on that one. We have a covenant with the king, the cosmic king of the universe. We have a covenant together with him. Where is this covenant? It's called your Bible. And when you read that thing, you'll get to understand all the promises that he has for you. You get to understand his commitment towards you. You see his love towards you. And because you have a covenant with your king, you get to live out of that covenant. I love it because the Bible says this of us who have a covenant with our king. It says, but you are a child chosen people. You're a, ch- you're a chosen generation. You are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. I always tripped out when we got to peculiar people because I don't know if that's a compliment or not. You know what I mean? When they say you are peculiar people, I was like, what's, do I look funny or what is it? You're peculiar. But, but I understand what he's saying is you're in this world, but you're not of this world. If you're trying to fit in, you're going to miss it. You were never called or, or, or God never said for you to fit in. He wants you to stand out. That's the purpose of it all. Because when you live the values of Jesus, it does not match the values of this world. You mean I give sacrificially? That was the way of Jesus. You you mean I love people who don't vote like me? That was the way of Jesus. You you mean I, I give to those who are broken and hurting? That was the way of Jesus. So yes, some will look at you and say it's peculiar. Some will look at you and say it's strange. Some will look at you and say what is going on with you? But you have a different narrative. You've been made in the image of a loving God. And because we've been made in his image, we don't change our ethics because the world is changing, but our values stay consistent with the values of heaven. We are a different people. Our kingdom is invisible, but make no mistake, because we trust more in what is unseen than what is seen, the kingdom of heaven is here. At Lighthouse Church, I'm going to say that one more time. The kingdom of heaven is here, and it is up to us now to operate it. So let me get to the church, and i got to come to a close soon. When, we, when we, we've looked at Israel, we've looked at Jesus, but now let's turn our attention to the church of which we are a part of. Listen to me. The church was always designed to be different. Always designed to be different. You see, the church is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. The Lord said to Abraham that he would be the father of a people that could not be counted. And when God made that promise to Abraham, he was not talking about the Jews. He was talking about the church. Because later in the New Testament, we would get clarification that Abraham is the father of faith. And all of those who share Abraham's faith are his sons and daughters. And so we are heirs of those promises because we are the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. You might be thinking, what does that actually have to do with me? You got to understand that all of the promises and the access and, and the relationship that God was drawing Abraham into was, was, was because of his faith. Can everybody say faith? faith? And now he says to the church, you are saved by grace through faith. 
And so we are the fulfillment. We are the multi-ethnic, multi-generational people group that God promised to Abraham. And here we are today. And what I love is when we gather under the banner of Jesus, not under the banner of our ethnicity, not under the banner of the color of our skin, not under the banner of this country of California, not under the banner of the, the larger country of what we are a part of. I'm talking about we are under the banner of Jesus. And when we are under the banner of Jesus, there's neither male uh, nor female. There is neither Greek there or Jew. There is neither slave or no free because we are all one in Christ Jesus. Come on. How many know that he has united us together? He's bound us together. We are one in him. And I love that because now that he's brought us together, what does he ask us to do? Just go and tell the world about me. Just, just Go and tell the world about it. This is the journey of a lifetime that I'm inviting you into. Acts 1 and 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Listen to me, Lighthouse. This is your story. That, that he has made you in his image. He has redeemed you. And now he says, come and change the world together with me. Come and change the world together with me. When you understand this assignment, you're going to stop looking at your boss and where you work with so much contempt. I don't know, I don't know why in the church we, we've, 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 subs- we've only ascribed ministry as either working at the church or working at Chick-fil-A, one or the other. But that's it. Like, that's the only place where ministry happens. And, and, and the story is so much greater than that. God wants to use you where you work and you need to stop looking at your boss as the enemy and look at him as your mission field. You got to start looking where you work as the mission field that God has placed you in to bring renewal. He invites you into the renewal of all things. You got to stop fighting with your neighbor because God put you there to reach your neighbor. I can't believe the house color they chose. Bringing down the property values. Come on, American. God called you to renew this world. He he invites you into this journey of renewal. But so often, hear me, Lighthousers, we miss it because we are only concerned with half the story. I just got to get to heaven. Just got to get off of this planet and go by. I just got to go to heaven. And he's called us to so much more. And, and my prayer is that, that you would understand that making a difference is God's desire for you. The, the journey that he invites you into so that you would begin to see fulfillment in everything that you do. It is the full story of the gospel that we are made in his image. And then as we become more like him, as we are formed as, as we are spiritually formed into him, we begin to reflect him every single place that we go. I just am concerned that we are selling ourselves short and missing out on everything that God has for us. But my hope and prayer, Lighthouse Church, is that we would see ourselves in this compelling narrative. This is a worthy cause of giving your life to. I said this is a, w- a worthy cause of giving your life to. If you're going to lose your life for anything, lose your life for this. L- lose your life for this. And as I come to a close, there's, there's three things that I really think it, it brings us to. What do I do with this passage? What, what, what do I do if, if, if he is calling me into more than just go to church, go to heaven. Go to church, go to heaven. 
Listen, number one, you've got to respond to the call. Let me, let me read this verse to you, 2 Timothy 1, 9. It says, God saved us, and then he called us to this holy work. Everybody say work. 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 I know loving on your neighbor is work. The Bible says it's work. <laughs> I know loving on your neighbor is work. The Bible said it was going to be work. I, I know loving on your enemy is not easy. Literally, Paul told Timothy, it's work, but it's a holy work. It's a beautiful work. And he says, he's called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. He's calling us in to this holy work. Second thing we want to do is you have to stand for a cause. And as I just said a minute ago, this is a cause worth throwing your life into. There's a lot of good things that you can do here with your life on earth. And there's a lot of good things that can bring a lot of change. But there is nothing that brings the type of renewal to this earth like the cause of the gospel. It is the greatest cause. Bringing renewal into our communities is the greatest cause. I love how in our giving liturgy we said, may I increase in generosity so that it would be said that there is no needy person among us. Pastor Josh, when, when have we done our job as Christians? I don't know, when they don't need the sheriffs and Vista anymore? I'm being real. That sounds funny because you, you can't imagine a world in which that could exist. But do you want to know what happens when we bring the kingdom of heaven down to our city? People love one another. They're not stealing from one another. People love one another, and there's no one that is going without food. People love one another, and we address homelessness. People love one another, and children aren't running away from moms and dads. This is possible. I'm not talking about some, you know, utopian alternate universe. This can happen when we bring the kingdom of heaven into our city. And I don't know about you, but we did not build this building just to say we got a nice building. No, we needed a place to worship and to train and to be equipped. But more importantly, so that you could be mobilized and go into your communities, go to where you work, go to where you live, and bring the kingdom of heaven with you everywhere you go so that when people walk into your neighborhood, they say, this neighborhood is different. Why is it different? Because we've brought the kingdom here. People care for one another here. And so the kingdom is different. And this is the cause we're standing for. I love what the writer says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Look at the weight to which he carried that. He says, my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing. There's that word again, the work assigned to me. What has he assigned you to do, Lighthouse Church? Listen, if you don't know what you've been assigned to do, that's okay. But we're going to help you find it. We want to help you find it. Because what's not okay is for you to live your life and never discovering what you are here to do. And we want to help you discover your purpose so that you can go and make a difference. But, but the writer is documenting the words of Paul. He said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it to finish the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. I don't want to know about you. I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I didn't finish my work. I've got a... <laughs> 
you, you hear that thing that people do where they talk about, my fatal flaw is this. My fatal flaw, you guys heard that, the whole my fatal flaw? Okay, well, here's my problem. I have to finish things I start. Like, don't start me on a movie at 11. I will stay up till 2 a.m. because I cannot, I can't sleep. I can't. Is anyone else like that? Not my wife. Five minutes in, she's out. See her tomorrow. She is out. And then she'll say, don't tell me. I want to watch it. Okay, we'll wait. I, so this, this in particular gets underneath my skin to think, because Paul says it, to think that I can literally show up and not do my job. Like, not finish what I was called to start. I, I can't. I can't. That's my OCD. Anyone else share Anyone else share this with me? Tell me I'm not alone. Tell me you're like a finisher as well. You're like, I will not go to bed until I finish. If it's a puzzle, oh, my God, it's the worst. Yeah, I just can't. I can't. But I feel, but in the same way, in the same way I know that God's called me to a work. Here's the last thing. The last thing you want to do is you want to do it with God's people. Look at your neighbor. Come on, look around the room. Give me a Just look around. Take a moment. Look around. God has called us to do all of this with one another. This is why gathering is so important in church. Listen, parents, get your kids involved in student ministry. Please do not let them do life alone. That is the way of the world. That is not the way of Jesus. How do you know that? Because Jesus could have changed the world by himself, but he didn't. He called 12 people to come and do it together with him. And they were not like 12 people with, angel, with, with wings on their back. They were broken people. And he said, we're going to go change the world together. So you want to do it with God's people. Ecclesiastes, last verse, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. I think there's people in this room that have been having a mid-experience with the church, and I think it's because you're only living half the story. I think some of you want more out of church, and I would say you're probably not living the complete story because when you are living the complete story, it will radically change your life, and you will be absolutely restless until you discover what he's called you to do and you've given your life to do that thing. Let me pray over you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for your word. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.